Will revenge be on the minds of the Oklahoma Sooners as they head into 2022 Bedlam? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norman. Josh, how are you doing on this fine recording Tuesday? I'm doing fantastic, John. Always great to be with you. So, revenge. It can be a beautiful thing if funneled properly. And you'll have to help jog my memory a little bit here in terms of which media outlet it was that had this list of the best revenge games in 2022. Well, suffice it to say that Bedlam made it on that list of best revenge games. And I don't doubt that from Oklahoma's perspective that, look, it was what snapped ultimately Oklahoma's string of six consecutive Big 12 championships because they lost Bedlam and because that second half fizzled out the way that it did offensively for Oklahoma. That's why you didn't get to go defend your your Big 12 championship title. So, yes, naturally there's going to be a revenge factor there for Oklahoma. The game, of course, shifts over into Norman, which should be advantageous, you would think, for the Sooners in 2022. I think my initial reaction to this list of revenge games, John, was simply this question. There are obviously a lot of pieces back from last year's team for Oklahoma, but there's so many new faces. The head coach is new. The offensive coordinator is new. Defensive coordinator, all new. Uh, your quarterback, your starting quarterback is new. So the revenge card in general, can Oklahoma play that in 2022? It's going to be interesting to see how they approach this game. I mean, Brent Venables has already talked about the the magnitude of something like Red River. Like it's it's not the same game. Red River rivalry, it like it goes way above. It's one of the best rivalries in all of sports. And Bedlam is kind of Oklahoma's second big rivalry game. And Brent Venables is already like kind of magnifying what Red River is, like the environment, the attitude. He, you know, he talked about it as like hate. And so I don't necessarily think he's going to downplay what Bedlam means and what Bedlam is. And so I think there will be something that they can kind of hold on to, especially with the guys that were here last year. I mean, there are a ton of guys that, I mean, watch the way Oklahoma finished that game and they're going to want to play better. I mean, three, you know, two fifths of your offensive line was part of that Bedlam game. You know, you have two guys that went to the NFL. You got a new guy that transferred in, uh, you know, Jalen Redman, he's back. It's your linebacker core, it's back. Much of your defensive backfield, it's back. And I mean, they know Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State Cowboys put up 37 points on that team. Is that going to be a defense that's motivated to say, hey, listen, that was not our best game? And a guy like Marvin Mims, he's back. Eric Gray, 
again, I mentioned the offensive line, Braden Willis, who made one of the best catches of the season in that game. He's going to be a focal point in this one too. And so I think there's enough guys that can say, listen, we want to get that one back because we did not play well in the second half of that game. Aside from a few big plays here and there, the t- the offense was pretty terrible in the second half. And everything that kind of transpired in the 24 hours preceding that, like after that game, I mean, it's what's led to where we're at with as the Oklahoma Sooners football program. And I think most people are, are really happy with where it's at and, and fine with where it's at. But I think there's going to be this, this kind of sour connection almost between Bedlam and the way Lincoln Riley left. OU fans are going to be fired up for that game, no doubt about it. I think there's going to be enough of a player contingent that was a part of this game last year that will at least rally together themselves to maybe not make revenge kind of part of it, but you know they're going to want to get it back. They may not use those words, but they're, they're going to want to get back on the, on the winning side of things in a matchup and in a rivalry, quote-unquote, that Oklahoma has dominated for a century. I mean, this is a, a game that's very one-sided, and Oklahoma lost it last year. So you know that they're going to want to get it back. And I'm looking at this, John, from a very macro point of view. So the Oklahoma State, the Bedlam game, it's listed as one of the best revenge games in 2022. And on paper going in, what we know or what we think we know about the Big 12 Conference, it absolutely could wind up uh, living right up to the billing. Uh, Spencer Sanders is the returning Big 12 quarterback of the year. Oklahoma State, though they're replacing a lot defensively, they should be, you would think on paper, one of the best teams in the Big 12 Conference. I don't know that they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game type good, but from that perspective, okay, it's got a great opportunity to be, you know, alongside Baylor and Texas, and then obviously the non-conference trip early to Lincoln, Nebraska. The Oklahoma State game's got every opportunity to be arguably the biggest game ultimately on OU schedule. But again, I'm I'm not even just looking at it individually. I'm kind of thinking of it through that macro picture with Dylan Gabriel as your starting quarterback. And and I know that he's going to hear from a lot of his teammates about the disappointment that was 2021. And I'm sure that process has already begun for Oklahoma about – you know, really, even though we were 9-0 and at one point last season, was that really the brand of Oklahoma football that this program is accustomed to playing or wants to play? I just, again, I'm asking, are we really going to see the revenge Sooners in 2022? Because we should, right? We should see the revenge Sooners. They ought to be ticked off that they lost their string of six consecutive Big 12 championships. I'm just wondering if because you have a quarterback coming in from another place, if that works against OU in that factor. Well, in one, one aspect of that is potentially it keeps them a little bit more level because he's a guy that doesn't have a history in the game. A guy like Brent Venables, he's played or he's coached in a lot of Bedlam games. Like he, he knows what it is, what the atmosphere is like, what the environment, what, what it means for Oklahoma to have this dominance over Oklahoma state. He wants it on the recruiting trail. You know, he's going to want it in that game. Now he might not use the reject, the revenge card, but he know, but he's going to definitely play up that we're Oklahoma. We need to win this game. This is huge for us. 
we got to, you know, come into it with the same level of intensity that we go into red river week, or we go into, you know, beating Baylor, winning that game against Baylor, which I think to me is, is the more going to be the more important game, but with Oklahoma state being the second to last game of the season, I think you're right. Like it's going to have huge ramifications for the big 12 title race. And that might be the game that kind of decides like, is Oklahoma state going to still contend like that final week? Are they going to be in contention or are they done? Did Oklahoma knock them out of contention with two weeks to play until the big 12 championship game? That'll be a really interesting question. I think, like I said, I think there are enough players individually. You're, you're going the macro, the big picture view. I get that. There's, there's a lot of turnover with this team, this roster, this coaching staff. I think the place where the turn, the lack of turnover might motivate them is on the offensive side of the ball because the offense did fizzle. The offense was not good in the second half against Jim Knowles defense uh, with Malcolm Rodriguez out there and a host of other Oklahoma state Cowboys who are now gone. And this is going to be a team that's going to want to get that back. And I, and I think, you know, guys like DeMarco Murray, Bill Biedenboe, Kale Gundy, they're going to, that still probably sits in their craw a little bit that they lost that game and the way that they lost that game. Had they played well, played a complete game throughout and then just lost to Oklahoma state on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe they, they don't go into it with any extra meaning, but because of the way that the, the offense didn't show up in the second half, the nine points that Oklahoma scored a safety, a special teams touchdown, the offense didn't really provide anything until Caleb Williams kind of big, long, miraculous run at the end of the game. They're going to have, I think, a little bit extra motivation to say, listen, we got to play a full 60 minutes this time. We can't have a good first half and then expect to just, you know, keep that going. We've got to stay focused and, and make some, make some adjustments. And I think this is where having guy like Jeff Levy, who hasn't, you know, played against, or I mean, they he's got experience against Derek Mason. There's going to be some familiarity there, but Mike Gundy, he's going to have to get up to speed on him. They're going to have to get up to speed on Dylan Gabriel. There's going to be a lack of familiarity with the quarterback. I think that might help Oklahoma to kind of keep them a little bit off guard, even though they're going to have 10 weeks of film to prepare, they might be able to keep some things back that they haven't shown yet. Uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. Like I think, you know, season to season, there's not as much kind of revenge talk, but you know, it lives in the, in the minds of the players. I remember playing sports, especially in college. Like when, when, so at UTA, when I played lacrosse, SFA Stephen F. Austin was the team that was like one of our biggest rivals and man, we loved to give it to them. We lost one year and it was the, the most disappointing loss that we experienced during my time there. And it was my last year there. I would have loved to have one more year to get that one back because it was, a, it was, it sucked. I hated losing to Stephen F. Austin. And, and I think that could be the same thing for, for some of these guys as it pertains to Oklahoma State. I mean, this is going to be Braden Willis's last Bedlam game. He's going to want to go out on a high note in that one. So any, any other thoughts? Like, they also mentioned, you know, Oklahoma going to Nebraska, like as Nebraska wanting to get revenge for the loss in, in Norman. Yeah, that, that's huge for Nebraska to make an early statement that this is not going to be another dud of a final season for Scott Frost. Obviously. Look, every game's important for OU. I don't want to come across as saying that that game's not important for OU. Of course it is, but it's much more important for Nebraska. And again, yep. hey, I'm all here for a Bedlam beatdown and make it Revenge City in Norman.
Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State and a Bedlam series has historically gone. Just consider this my open campaign for not just one date on the 2022 calendar for revenge for Oklahoma. I want a revenge season for Oklahoma in yes. 2022. Yeah, bring out uh, Wyatt Earp, the brothers. Let's go Tombstone on this. Let's just make this un, you know, unforgiven. Like, let's go full Western. We're getting back. Like, this is we're coming for blood. Like, let's let's go that route, Toby. And if you're listening, some of your scene setters, we got to pull some uh, some Tombstone quotes out. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the future power rankings and where Oklahoma stands uh, amongst the rest of the country, according to ESPN. But first, I'm going to talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. You can also find future college football odds. You can find Heisman odds all over at BetOnline.net. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, news, and information this season. They also have great information on boxing, golf, MMA. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. And again, thanks so much for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Make sure to also check out one of your favorite Locked On NBA shows or Locked On NFL show. We've got every team covered across pro sports. And if you got a friend that's a Texas Longhorns fan, it's okay if you've got a friend that, that is one. We live in a diverse world. Uh, make sure you go, you know, point them to our friend Jonathan Davis, who hosts Locked On Longhorns. He does a fantastic job over there, too. So, Josh, ESPN's future rankings, they come out with positional rankings uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, but Oklahoma, they came in at number seven in ESPN's positional rankings. Just your takeaway from that off the top. So the top six in front of Oklahoma, if you missed it, it was Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Ohio State three, usual suspects one through three, right? Like that wouldn't shock anybody, those three right there, Crimson Tide, Dogs, Buckeyes. Texas A&M was number four on this list, so that to me is sort of the first surprise. Clemson number five and Notre Dame number six, one slot ahead of Oklahoma. So that's what the top of the board looked like if you're curious about these future ESPN college football power rankings from ESPN. And essentially what this ranking is designed to provide is, okay, what do we think college football, the landscape looks like in the top 25 over the course of the next three seasons? So this is not individually a now ranking, for Oklahoma in 2022, it's really more of a cumulative ranking for the next three seasons. And what it tells me, John, is that Oklahoma's right where they've been, according to Adam Rittenberg and ESPN. They're one of the best teams in America, but they're not in that ilk of an Alabama, of a Georgia who we just saw break through and win a national championship, of a team uh, that's led by someone who's regarded by many as the Heisman favorite in C.J. Stroud and Ohio State. They're not quite there. And actually, they think uh, the program where your head football coach just came from is still in front of you. And they think a program that you'll soon be joining in the SEC is on the rise above you in Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. So 
Oklahoma, kind of where they've been, which is knocking on the door, able to get into the college football playoff. But to me, I see that number seven ranking, and it's ESPN telling me, John, they don't see Oklahoma winning a national championship in the next three seasons. And I think it's fair. You know, I think Oklahoma's still got some building to do. To be realistic, this is a team that, you know, they, they lost a ton of talent, you know, last year. We still are feeling really optimistic about where they stand in 2022, where they're heading in 2023. But right now, you look at the 2023 recruiting class, I think with on three, they're number 24 with 247 sports. They're ranked even lower. Now, they're still got several four-star guys, several five-star guys that they're, you know, trying to bring in, that they're heavy in on. And they're the favorites to land that are going to up that recruiting ranking. But I mean, Texas A&M just landed the number one recruiting class for 2022. Uh, USC, even a team is going to have a really hot recruiting class for 2023. We know Alabama and Georgia are going to have great recruiting classes. Brandon Innes, who was an Oklahoma commit, just committed to Ohio State, where the Buckeyes now, you have to consider them wide receiver university because they just seem to constantly be getting these elite talents. And so you kind of understand where ESPN is coming from on some of that. There's still a bit of unknown with where Oklahoma's headed. We believe it's going to be great. And we believe that Brent Venables is going to build a great defense, but we haven't seen it on the field yet. We haven't seen a full recruiting class. Now he and his coaching staff and the recruiting staff did a fantastic job rebuilding the Sooners recruiting class. When Lincoln Riley, just before Lincoln Riley left and everybody decommitted, they were a top 10 class, according to 247 Sports and On3. After Lincoln Riley left and everybody decommitted from the 2022 recruiting class, they dropped to as low as 28th, according to 247 Sports. Brent Venables and his staff, they brought it back up to number eight in the country with some late flips of guys like Kevonte Henry from Michigan, uh, Grayson uh, Halton from Oregon, and R. Mason Thomas from uh, Iowa State. They got some late flips, some late commitments. And picked up some guys who had decommitted from you know Florida and Jaden Gibson and Nick Evers, and they were able to rebuild this class. And so I think like given a full year, we're going to see the power of Brent Venables and his coaching staff, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, these guys who look to be really really good recruiters. In addition to what we already know on the offensive side of the football, and Demarco Murray and Kale Gundy and Bill Biedenboe, who are already really really good recruiters in their own right, we're seeing the evidence of Jeff Levy's ability with a guy like Jackson Arnold, they're going to be in on other top quarterbacks down the road as well. So I get where ESPN is coming from in that, you know, there's some optimism. I think that's what has them as high as they are, but there's still a little bit of unknown, which keeps them from potentially getting them higher. Once we see these recruiting classes unfold, we see what Brent Venable's defense is going to look like on the field. We see Jeff Levy's offense perform. I think it's going to put Oklahoma, you know, a little bit higher. It's going to move them a little bit higher. And I mean, seven out of 121 teams, 131 teams, 121 teams in the FBS, like that is nothing to scoff at. Like that's still elite. Like to be a top 10 team for the now and for the future, that's great. That puts you right where you want to be to break through that, that glass ceiling of the college football playoff and the national championship with a chance to get number eight. I think it also highlights, too, you know, one of the interesting elements that Adam Rittenberg and ESPN mentioned in this story, they said it's still very much 
personnel-based. It remains mm -hmm. primarily personnel-based and results-oriented, right? What have we seen from Oklahoma, from Alabama, from Georgia, Ohio State, you name it? What have we seen in college football recently, and what do we think about the roster that they currently have in Norman, Oklahoma? And what do we think that roster conceivably could look like into 2023, into 2024? They did, however, mention that the transfer portal, you have to think about it a little bit now when you put a ranking like this together. Name, image, and likeness, you have to think about it a little bit when you put in a, a ranking like this together. I don't think that the NIL stuff is going to damage Oklahoma all that much. I know there's others that maybe have really strong opinions that Oklahoma should be a little bit more aggressive on the NIL front, like, say, a Texas A&M. I just think it's been clear that Brent Venables and Oklahoma really aren't going to take that approach, John. So, again, to me, the overarching takeaway is you're really, really good. And it's kind of a incomplete grade, right? We haven't seen Brent Venables coach a football game just yet. And we haven't seen you win in the college football playoff. Okay. Coming up next, let's talk about a another big-time addition for Oklahoma softball. Of course, the Sooners one win away from a national championship series in baseball. We know the NBA draft. It's coming up as well. And one live NBA draft show, it's not enough for the Locked On Network. The entire NBA channel, they're going live on NBA Draft Night, which, of course, is Thursday. So if you've got a favorite NBA team, make sure you subscribe now to their Locked On YouTube channel so you get notified as soon as they go live on NBA Draft Night. John, the rich, they just keep getting richer. Oklahoma softball, another addition for Portal. What do you make of the late Patty Gasso and Sooner softball? All right, so I'm just going to read off her numbers to get us started. 16 home runs, 40 RBIs, and she hit 339. She's a shortstop for Arizona State. This is Alina Torres coming over. And, I mean, if Patty Gasso's adding you, then you've got to be pretty good, right? Like, if you're getting drawn to Oklahoma, then there's a good chance you're a pretty good player. And I think it's going to have a great chance to be maybe Oklahoma's starting third baseman next year. She's not going to displace Grace Lyons, who we assume is going to come back. She's got another year of eligibility. We imagine she'll be back. She'll be manning her shortstop spot. She's the defensive player of the year. You're not moving her. But if Torres can move over to the third and be your third baseman and potentially hit behind Grace Lyons, add a little bit more power to the lineup, I mean, what else is there to say? Like, this is a, a, a winning factory that is going to continue to breed that because as we saw with uh, the addition of Alex Starocco as well, one of the best picture pitchers in the country, the rich, like you said, the rich keep getting richer. They had a great pitching staff already with Jordy ball and Nicole may you add a pitcher like Alex Starocco, you get even better. And in the future, you'll continue to add that on the on the offensive side on the, at the plate for Oklahoma softball because of their legacy and what they've done over the last several years now, at the plate, it's going to draw pretty good offensive players who have eligibility left, maybe as a grad transfer, like with Starocco and with Torres, where you're going to have an opportunity to add, continue to add these guys, these players. And now you're looking at, you don't have to move Jada Coleman out of the, out of the leadoff spot. You can leave her there. Maybe you bat Torres second, or maybe you move Tiara Jennings up to, to number two, taking Jocelyn Allo's spot. 
and you can, you know, just bump everybody up a notch where Grace Lyons now bats three, who showed off tremendous power and, and an ability to drive in runs this year. And then you maybe you bat Torres or Alyssa Brito. Like you've got options and she just gives you another option to deploy in your lineup. And it's going to, again, make everybody better. Maybe you throw Riley Boone at the top of the at the top of the order and Jada Coleman slides back to number two. So many options for Patty Gasso. I love the addition and it just goes to show the drawing power of Oklahoma softball, similar to Alabama football. The dynasty is ongoing. It's real. They're just loading up for another national chat, national title run. Yeah, it's amazing. They are the clear favorite to go three Pete. And I love the transfer portal additions they've had from Torres and Storaco. We know that they've got Kirsten deal coming in this class as the top rated pitcher. I'm blanking and I don't have the note in front of me on another power hitter that Oklahoma added in terms of its, uh, commitments or signing class so there's actually somebody else in addition to Torres too that's joining Oklahoma that is widely regarded as one of the top hitters nationally that's coming into Oklahoma so it's just amazing what Patty Gasso continues to do they've won back-to-back national championships and I think they're probably going to win a third in a row before it's all said and done exciting yeah I mean you know they're going to be the favorite at the same time when you lose somebody like Jocelyn Allo, you're going to, you're going to, you know, potentially take an offensive step back. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good or great, but it does mean you lose a big part of your lineup. Um, at the same time, you know, you, you're talking about the recruiting class. You mentioned Chris Kirsten deal, the number one pitcher in 2022's recruiting class. They had Jocelyn Erickson, the number 10 player in the recruiting class and ranked number nine by max preps, top 25 players. Um, she is a catcher. That can also play first base. Um, this is what Patty Gasso had to say about her. She's versatile. Uh, she also, her name is Jocelyn. So that's going to go well for them. Um, and they're excited about her, her power. Maybe this is who you're mentioning. She can be a one swing game changer, getting her on campus and working with JT Gasso, getting stronger and working with athletes at this level will be extremely beneficial for her. Her mindset will be able to elevate her game to a new level. Um, and then they added another pitcher in S.J. Guerin from Texas and a, another infielder, Avery Hodge, the number six prospect in the country by extra inning softball. So number six, number 20, number 10, and the number one player according to extra inning softball. So was that four top 20 players? I mean, three in the top 10. Uh, I think you're, you're going to be okay. Uh, at Oklahoma, you're going to add a lot of pop. Who knows how much they'll play right away as freshmen. Patty Gasso is not shy about playing freshmen early on. Tiara Jennings was great her freshman year. Jordy Ball was also great her freshman year. Jada Coleman, great their freshman year uh, in 2021. So I, I like what they're adding. It's going to be great. And, I mean, recruiting classes, transfer portal, Oklahoma is going to be able to draw. I think these additions are going to play huge dividends next spring. Erickson, by the way, is exactly who I was thinking of. So thank you for digging that up and finding that. It's just exciting. It's exciting for Oklahoma softball fans. And you think about some of the rankings that you mentioned. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, you almost for a second say they only have how many of the top 20 players coming here? But you have to keep in the back of your mind, well, they've already signed X amount of the top 20 players in these past signing and recruiting classes. And oh, by the way, 
they've reinforced themselves with the transfer portal as well, which is a proven commodity, right? You know, in Starocco, you're adding somebody that uh, had 300 strikeouts. You, you know, you have that coming in. So it's just, it's fun. It's amazing what Oklahoma softball continues to do. In OU baseball, not too bad on the diamond for, for those guys as well. Now, one win away from a championship series. We wondered who it would be. We now know that it will be a rematch versus Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M, the highest rated team or ranked team left in the tournament. Oklahoma has a chance to knock them out. We're looking at a, a future SEC final, uh, either with Oklahoma and Texas A&M or Ole Miss and Auburn. Uh, going to the championship series of the college world series. So that's really interesting. And they play at one o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. So make sure you tune in for that. Hopefully we'll, we'll find out soon. Who's going to get the ball. Josh is liking uh, oh, Sandlin, David Sandlin. I'm kind of hoping it's going to be, you know, Jake Benny, you go in with your best guy and say, get us there. And then we'll figure out our championship series rotation after that. Josh, you like their chances to, to make it to the series. Yeah, I think they're going to take care of business. Yeah, I just think they've got such a good vibe, a good mojo about them right now. I think they've turned the corner, John, on, oh, this is a fun run to, no, we believe we can and are going to win a national championship. And I don't know if you saw this, but it was kind of cool. I think it was Toby Rowland that uh, the voice of the Sooners that tweeted this out on his account. Skip Johnson had the team and – took the team to the site of Rosenblatt Stadium because he wanted to show them, hey, this is where Oklahoma won the 1994 College World Series. This is where their mission ended, and this is a part of our mission going forward. We're here to win a national championship. And it was so cool to see on that bus. You could have you heard a pin drop as Skip Johnson was delivering that message. I mean, just all eyes up front on Skip Johnson. Uh, nobody distracted at all. It's clear, man, this team is on a mission right now. And he's got them believing that they can complete the mission. And that's, man, it's super fun right now to watch. Like, I'm, I'm digging every pitch, every inning. It's been a blast. And good luck to those guys when they uh, take first pitch tomorrow at 1 p.m. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the show over there. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers before the start of the 2022 season, so help us hit that. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way it gets right to your feed directly. And until next time where we'll talk about Oklahoma's game against Texas A&M. Hopefully it's just the one tomorrow. Um, he's Josh. I'm John. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.